Today on Locked On Canadians, was there any silver lining in that disaster of a game against the Sharks? Plus, we have a, a real-life good friend, but a podcast worst enemy, joining us today to break down that game. And that's coming up in just one moment on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 471, and thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. My name is Laura Saba. Generally, I'm joined by Scott Matla, but today I have a special guest host from the West Coast. Our, that's right, our podcast. They used to be our podcast BFF, but times have changed now, and they are our podcast worst enemy. It's Locked On Sharks, and one of the hosts, Kyle Demetrius, who you've heard on this podcast before, is joining us. Kyle, how are you doing today? Feeling good. William Eklund is on pace for 82 points. Cole Caulfield's on pace for zero points. Uh, that definitely will not change. That is what's going to happen. So it's, yeah, that's how it's going to stay. So you had the benefit of watching the game, not in person. And I had the benefit of suffering through it live. Actually the game itself, the bell center, they've, they've done a really good job with the game atmosphere. It was a good time. Obviously I didn't pay for these seats. I was lucky enough to get invited. Uh, they've done a really good job, but the on ice content is going to have to get better because as of now, the Canadians are not selling out and they aren't providing fans with something that they could uh, theoretically want to pay money to see so that's kind of a bummer but at the end of the day the team was expected to be a bubble team and and through four games they have massively underperformed but I'm going to put out a hot take there and say that the third period especially that middle of the third period the Canadians were getting it together they were playing like we've seen them play well in the past but the rest of the game was basically just giving it away now you're familiar with the Sharks they looked amazing on the ice tonight are they like that well not if you go off the past two years of work by the sharks this is a new thing so the sharks obviously are missing some guys and they they've kind of retooled and they've added they had seven rookies on their roster for opening night um so in the game tonight i guess they would have had first year players would have been jonathan dalene who scored twice uh william eckland who plays with tomas hurdle on in the top six uh there's jasper weatherby who's the fourth four c Jake Middleton plays on the second pair. Uh, so those guys are all essentially, well, they're all rookies to the NHL. So it's been a youth movement, despite the fact that they signed Benino and Cogliano. But those two guys kind of came in and gave veteran presence to the bottom nine. So this is a new thing. This is, we call it the good vibes only Sharks because they got rid of Evander Kane for the time being and everybody seems to be happier. So this is this is new. They, they've looked really good. They made fools out of the Jets and then they obviously... <clears throat> made fools out of the Canadians tonight. It was <laughs> real bad. But to be fair, though, I think, well, not to be fair, this is going to be mean a little bit, but the Sharks halfway through the second kind of put the brakes on. You could tell that they kind of just went into chill mode uh, up for nothing and didn't, the line started rolling really well. Um, like Jasper Weatherby, this fourth line played a lot. So yeah, Montreal looked much better in the third period for sure. And Aiden Hill made a bunch of saves, but I don't, I don't, that, I hope that's not fool's gold. I get what you what you're saying, and and so for where we were sitting is where but the you reject my reality. Twice. 
I don't reject your reality at all. It's just that I have a reality of my own here in Montreal to contend with, right? Uh, and it, it is true. Like there's, you know, obviously score effects and any team that goes up that far will definitely take a little bit of a step back. Everybody does it. Even Stanley Cup winning teams will do it. Uh, the one thing that I saw towards the end of the game and particularly in the third period because we were right behind where, this is not a brag, we were right behind where the Habs shoot twice. We could see you on That's- TV. <laughs> That was generally, it wouldn't have been a brag, uh, except, uh, you know, we didn't see any goals, right? We, we weren't. We, we saw weren't, a lot of Sharks goals. <laughs> yeah. So what we did see, though, is that a lot of the so the stretch passes were gone. The Canadians had better connecting passes. Uh, there were some scoring chances, a lot going wide of the net, but they didn't even have that in the last couple of games. So this is really an improvement. You can see some of the guys are settling down. We still have a lot of question marks, but the one thing that the Sharks were able to do, and I noticed that, is in on the power play, they were able to have a power kill. I saw them really, really force the the the, the issue with the Canadians uh, in. In, in when they were on the penalty kill that was something that I think the Canadians are not used to seeing yes their power play needs a lot of work right now there was supposed to be a lot of energy injected with Mike Hoffman uh, finally joining the team and all of that but there's something really interesting about the Sharks power kill that I kind of want to talk about a little bit is that something that they just kind of picked up tonight like being able to box the Canadians out or is that something that they've worked on it's something they worked on because they added guys who penalty kill so they added Nick Benino. Uh, who's a legitimate 3C in the NHL. He may be like 34 years old, but he's a legitimate 3C. They added Andrew Cogliano to their fourth line, who is legitimately a good penalty killer. Um, Jasper Weatherby on the fourth line also can kill penalties. So they've added guys who are good at killing penalties, but also have some skill. So they're not afraid to just sit in their little tiny box or the little tiny diamond and not do anything. They, they're actively this year making a point to actually be good on special teams because their power play was also 26 last year. It was awful. Uh, or 29th last year. Um, so they're actively making a point to be better. So they've added actual skill pieces to the penalty kill and it kind of screwed up the Habs for a bit. But the Habs, whether you said they were making better passes and stuff, like Cole Caulfield hit the post on the power play in the third period. Right. That should have been a goal. Like it, it, it that yeah. was in what, like half the time or like whatever the stats are in post. So um, Aiden Hill made an absolutely outrageous glove save. He made a couple other like pretty insane saves. There was the one where I think Middleton or somebody dove back and it bounced over Toffoli's stick in the crease. Yes. So it easily could have, yeah. I don't think the Habs should have won this game or would have won this game, but it easily could have finished up like 5-2 or 5-3. Um, and then score effects may have played a different factor, but I it that third period was definitely better than than we've seen the rest of the game the rest of the game and the last few games to be honest the even the, the Toronto game was a lot better than this one they 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 started out really strong in the Toronto game they had stretches where they were playing well but I think that the longer the more time goes on the more they get into their own heads they already had an uphill battle in this division and that's why I was curious about your thoughts and what you thought like from your end they um, looked really bad was my initial takeaway in the first two periods they looked oh yeah awful. oh like, absolutely like like bottom like fight for right bad and I which is surprising because the Sharks aren't that good I mean they looked really good to start the season and if William Eklund is a legitimate Calder threat and Jonathan Dahlin is actually going to be a 25 goal score and stuff like that then the Sharks are going to be closer to that bubble but like the Sharks aren't the Lightning the Sharks aren't the Avalanche the Sharks aren't even the Blues for sake right. of a lot of <laughs> team yeah so uh, the Sharks aren't the Rangers or maybe that's their comp but like this game I felt was closer to the Buffalo game for Montreal than the Toronto game 
Absolutely. And I absolutely agree with you. So we're going to talk later in the show about where the Habs should go from here. Uh, and I want your perspective for a team that, you know, is, is effectively trying to rebuild. And I think that that's uh, something that we uh, should talk about. It's called a reset. It's a reset. <laughs> that's what Doug Wilson called it. He called it, he called it a reset. He didn't want to say rebuild. He called it reset. Don't well, ask me what that means. Either one of those two words in Montreal, that's not allowed, but we'll talk about that. True, later in the show. English. It is. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about that later in the show coming up next. We're going to talk a little bit about Evander Kane. We haven't had a chance to talk about that on this show yet. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, if you've listened to this show at all, since basically since we've existed, uh, you'll know that we are big fans of Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's got 18 delicious flavors and they're all low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein and all made with real chocolate and every once in a while they come out with a special flavor that really blows your mind so go to built.com if you want to try these bars that we always keep talking about uh, and you can enter promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your order that's promo code locked 15 at built.com to get 15 percent off your order Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We're here talking about Canadian Sharks. Scott is off for this week, and I'm joined by Kyle Demetrius of Locked on Sharks. We talk about them a lot on this show. They were our podcast BFFs for the longest time, and now we're enemies because here's the thing. The we think that Cole Caulfield is going to win the Calder if he ever scores ever again in his life. Um, and they seem to be under the impression that it's William Eklund's to win. And uh, we're kind of in disagreement on that. But we're also uh, we'll talk about this in the third segment. But we're kind of also fighting for right <laughs> at the same time. Uh, but first, before we get into that, let's talk about something that Scott and I didn't get a chance to talk about yet. And that is Evander Kane, who has been suspended for 21 games. I believe for violate this 21 right for violating protocol um and what happened was he was caught like this is like a, a fact right like it's not alleged anymore he was caught with a fake vaccine passport they've amended the sayings to vaccine card issue uh it was reported a, a month ago or whatever when this started that it was a fake vaccine card so yeah it's a vaccine card issue. <laughs> it's a yeah. vaccine card issue, but for all intents and purposes, I'm pretty sure it's a fake vaccine card. That's what was reported earlier. Um, there's no reason not to believe that. Uh, so, yeah. And I don't see what else you could be doing with a vaccine card that would cause an cause issue an for issue. 21 games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. So let's talk about this from a Sharks perspective. Um, there are a lot of things that came out over the course of the offseason. And at this point, the Canadians, uh, not the Canadians, I keep saying the Canadians because I'm so used to them making decisions like this. But the NHL has come out and said that uh, the allegations could not be substantiated. And so therefore they're not addressing it. And so the allegations are multiple. Uh, it started with him being accused of gambling on his own games. That one was proven not to that one proved not to be their investigation said he didn't or we can't <laughs> the, the, okay. it's, it's very tricky i'll just help you along the way because there's been a lot of different things but the ups the, the non-substantiated part is for a very specific thing but the gambling on games he was technically cleared of okay and then because, so the duh, unsubstanti- it's 2021 like how are you going to catch you're going to get caught games well you he's not going to go and walk into vegas and be like hi i'm evander kane he's going to get three people like it, yeah. it would be impossible to catch him for that. This isn't 1970s Pete Rose anymore. So yes, <laughs> he was he was cleared of that. If he did it or not, he's 
a piece of shit. So like he could have, but yeah, he was cleared. And then the other thing that he that the NHL said that it was unsubstantiated was he was accused of domestic violence against his now estranged spouse. And that's, that's something- the one that they didn't say he was not guilty of. They just said they couldn't cooperate it because there was reports that um, his estranged wife was not cooperating with the investigation. Um, so they just couldn't substantiate that if it was true or not. And so they didn't say, yeah, he's clear and free and clear. This is all made up, but they didn't say, no, he did it for sure. They just can't, he's not, he's not yeah, guilty. They can't or not take guilty. action. Yeah. They can't yeah, take they can't action take against action. him. Yeah. Based on, on what happened. So here's the thing is that the other thing that we heard, and this was again, rumors, conjecture is that the, the rest of the team doesn't want him to come back at this point. Yeah. So over the summer, there was reports on uh, the athletic and other in San Jose hockey. Now that, there was numerous players that said, if he's back, we're not back. Uh, Tomash Hurdle is due up for a new contract at the end of this season. There was reports that he said, I'm not signing a contract if he's here. Um, so those all seem to be true. And he got in, he almost got in a fight with an assistant coach last year uh, after a game. He also, he's in rehab supposedly for gambling addiction because he would go and like fly to Vegas or after games against Vegas would go and play poker till all nights, all hours of the nights. Um, his, he's still indebted. He's still going through bankruptcy court. He's been sued by many casinos and betters for bankruptcy allegations or not bankruptcy allegations for debt obligations. Um, so he's still doing that. That's a real thing. So uh, yeah, there was, he's also been flaunting the rules, showing up late, basically not given an F uh, and those are all true. And like in hockey, especially in the NHL, showing up late is worse than anything else you could do. You could decapitate a guy, but if you show up late to practice, that's it for you. Yeah. So that was the big thing is that apparently he, there was, and there was no repercussions last year, which is another thing that was kind of an issue is that he just was showing up late and doing what he wanted and, and there was no repercussions. And I guess Dustin Bufflin, when he chucked his tracksuit in the shower uh, way back in Winnipeg, I guess Dustin Bufflin was right this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder what so, Dustin Buffalo is doing. We should send him a thank you basket. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you've been pretty vocal about this is that there's a possibility that the Sharks could get out from under this contract. Actually, thanks to Chris Johnston. Uh, is it Johnston or Johnson? Johnson. Think, but there Chris is a Johnson? T, right? Chris Johnston? Oh my God. He's now, <laughs> he's now at TSN. He's the insider that's now at TSN. He just defected. <laughs> he went from blue to red. Uh, a little Canadian. It's Johnston. Joke. There is a T. I literally is, just opened yeah. like, my podcast app because I listened to I listened to all the episodes that I still can't remember. I, I think the classic like Ontario slur just throws in there and it gets into Johnson. So you don't really know the T gets dropped. <laughs> uh, classic Toronto maneuver. But yeah, so Chris Johnson said today on TSN at one of the intermissions of the game, uh, the first or second, I can't remember, uh, that they can't actually terminate him in this the way the CBA works, they can't actually terminate him because that would be the punishment for the crime, for lack of a better word. And the 21 game suspension is the punishment for the crime. So once he finishes his 21 game suspension, you can't terminate him for the thing he just got. It's like a double jeopardy situation. Oh, basically for a layman's turn. Fascinating and terrible. Yes. So the options here are they just pay him to stay away from the facility and just say, here's your $7 million go away uh and then they can buy him out next summer like a la tony d'angelo but tony mm-hmm. d'angelo actually got sent through waivers and then they said do not report to hartford just go sit on your ass 
they could do that as well because I don't think anybody's going to trade for Vander Kane. Uh, logically, <laughs> I think that's pretty yeah, safe to that, assume. That makes sense. So they're either going to tell the Sharks also said that <laughs> they will have no further comment on what they're going to do until after the 21 game suspension is up. So Chris Johnson is reporting that the Sharks actually don't know what they're going to do, which I think is kind of cowardly and horseshit. Uh, They've got a couple of months to figure it out. They should, they, they should have came out on day one as soon as the investigation started and said, Healy's not never playing for the Sharks again. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. But maybe they might've needed them. Maybe they might've needed the proof first. Maybe, but they should have said it then when the when the suspension <laughs> came down. It just, it's just a really easy thing, and, and the, no fan base is ever united over anything. Obviously, being Habs fans, uh, you guys know, uh, but this is like a near unanimous like approval. Like, don't ever bring him back. Even even a lot of the Kane apologists are are, are done with him. So, um, especially with having guys like William Eklund and, and young guys on the team, and the whole culture and vibe has been changed. Uh, I don't see how they bring him back, but they could in theory, especially if they're winning and maybe meet his goals, but that would be foolish, I think. But yeah, they're either going to tell him to go home and buy him out in the summer, or he's going to be on the team. That's really what it comes down to now. Right. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And so we're going to turn our attention to more positive things. We're going to talk about rebuilds, resets, things we're not allowed to say and what we think the Canadians should do. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, we're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget that promo code is locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. So for our final segment today, I think this is where our friendship and our like now enemyship, what is it? Enemyship, nemesis ship? Like, what would you call that? Like our animosity? Pure unadulterated hatred of your culture and life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, uh, that's new. So, you know, since, since the beginning, uh, Kyle is one of the original people that signed on when we started these podcasts and we've been best friends ever since. And now I was, I was willing to come on anybody's podcast and help them get better at podcasting and talk about nothing. And I did it for a lot of podcasts. <laughs> it was great times. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we here. really appreciated it. And then, and, but that was the thing is that we kept com- asking you to come back on cause it was fun. And then we, you know, we had, we struck up a friendship, but now they're like, we're kind of at odds because there are a couple of things happening right now as the Canadians are obviously like, nobody expected them to be world beaters or anything like that, but people were expecting at least a bubble team through four games. It's not just that they've lost the games. It's that they seem like they can't figure it out. There are a lot of things that are going wrong for them. If they can't fix that at some point, 
10, 20 games, there's a point, well, maybe 15 games is probably the mark, is there's a point where your season becomes lost. Like, it doesn't matter if it's still October or November, generally it's American Thanksgiving, your season's lost. I don't think the Canadians are there just yet, but that's a possibility. So here's my question, because right now, I mean, the last couple of years, I think one of the things that you guys have been really amazing at is looking to the future. You know, the team wasn't winning you want a really good draft pick when you have that really good draft pick, you want them to pick really good prospects and you guys got what you wanted. I remember the, the draft night. We were so excited for you and JD um, because you got William Eklund who you'd been talking about for so long before. Literally, that. literally three months, literally <laughs> three months of talking about William. We pro we profiled, we had something like 22 hours of draft coverage uh, leading up to the draft last year. Uh, wow. Actually, I think it might've been closer to 24, 25 by the, by the actual end. Um, and then if you add in the post draft, but yeah, but there was like legitimately over 20 hours of draft coverage that we did of all sorts of prospects from, we covered most of the first round to like dudes in the fourth round and stuff like that. Uh, and William Eklund was like the guy we wanted early on in that process. And he's here. Yeah. And he made the team. He's just, he turned 19 last week. He uh, looks like, like he's legitimately, nine years old. Oh he my God. Does. I, yeah. We, we Photoshopped his face onto the Teletubby son. <laughs> because like that's what he looks like. <laughs> he does. Like he looks even younger than Cole Caulfield, which is impressive. He does. And so that's the thing is that like my, my question is because in Montreal for so long, there's been this kind of like unwritten rule that fans wouldn't accept a tank. Fans wouldn't accept a tank. But now fans got a taste of what it's like to go to the Stanley Cup final. And they also saw what happens when there's a legitimate contender who's in the middle of their window that who, who they contend like they've been contending for like almost a decade at this point. Maybe they didn't get there. But, you know, to see like how far how fun it is to go that far but also how devastating it is when you've got a team that like is just so good no team has answers for it and I think that that's kind of like where we are at right now where I feel like the culture in Montreal is changing and maybe fans will accept a rebuild it's just that maybe they can't call it that and so I just I don't know like the way that I saw the Canadians like even the last couple of years you know two years ago when we started this podcast I thought this team will contend in maybe five years from now. We're not close to it. And now we're three years away from that. And I think the Canadians still need some legitimate pieces to join the team before they have a contending window. They've got Nick Suzuki, they've got Cole, Cole Caulfield, but they don't have a lot of other star potential players at the moment. And that's what you want. So like, in my mind, I'm like, is it so bad? Like it, like how, like, was it soul crushing when they were losing those games, knowing that you were going to get a good draft pick and a good player? No, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> once you, once you, once you come to terms with the fact that they're bad. Um, I think the big thing here is that everybody sees Arizona and Buffalo and freaks out. Right. And it's like, we could, cause like, there's a real potential that you go into a rebuild and never come back out for a long time. That's a real thing. Like look at Buffalo, look at Arizona, look at, I mean, New Jersey, I, I think they're going to be better this year, but how long were they bad for since 2012? So I think there's a real scaredness. Is that a word? I can't even speak English. A real f uh, fear. Fear. A there fear. we go. Yeah. There's a real fear of <laughs> we're, these... we're podcasters, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I both of you're quadlingual and I'm bilingual. And we couldn't come up with fear <laughs> on the spot. I think there's a real fear of getting stuck in a Buffalo Sabre situation. But sometimes the best thing is to take a step back before two steps forward. Like if San Jose didn't, if San Jose pushed and won a few more games and ended up at 10th 
Last year's draft was pretty weak outside of like two dudes. And they got one this year. This year's draft is absolutely loaded. Shane Wright is a one C he's not Connor Bedard or Mat- Matvey Michkov in 2023, but he's a one C franchise guy. Um, maybe not McDavid or Crosby or McKinnon, but I don't know who's a one C franchise, like a, like a stamp coast previously. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. A, a Kucherov, right? So there's him, but then there's, Connor Geeky, there's Uri Slavkovsky, there's Logan Cooley, there's Rutger McGordy, there's Jack D. Hughes, there's uh, Nemich, there's so many guys, like I, I missed like four of them, there's a guy, there's a Russian guy, Ivan Kirashenchenkov or something like that, his last name is like 25 letters long, I, there's <laughs> all these guys that are going to help your team and add to the Caulfield, Suzuki, Evans? <laughs> Well, Evans, like Evans, no, no, the thing, like, it's, it's really legit. Cause we always praise Evans on this show. Like, even when the team is doing badly, he like, he gives a hundred percent, you know, there's guys like him and Arturi Lekkinen where they're paid you need like them to third win the liners. Yeah. They're paid like third liners. They, they, you know, they don't have the scoring skill of a first liner, but that's not what you're asking for from them. And they do what you're asking really well. People always crap on guys like that because they don't come out and score 25 goals. You're not asking them for 25 goals. You're asking for them to do what they're doing right now on the penalty kill or to um jake evans did a, a mass i think it was it was one of those two guys that had like this amazing play on the penalty kill where you're yeah, like he had a breakaway against buffalo i think there you go like you know both of these guys like they give it all they're they're mm-hmm. guys that you, you're playing on your first line occasionally for whatever reason and it works out like when when uh archery lekkinen scored the 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 final clinching goal, but for the most part, you're paying them a little bit of money, but they're quality for that money. You could pay any guy in the league, one and a half, $2 million a year, but some of them are going to suck. And some of them are going to be really good value for money. So you have those guys and they're still fairly young. So your bottom six is shaping up to be okay. There's still some guys in the pipeline that could be that, but what I think they're lacking is a mobile defense and uh, like the top six potential guys. I think you forgot about our friend, Matthias Norlander. <laughs> well, he's a couple of, well, there's Caden Gooley too, but he's going to be Shea Weber 2.0, right? Caden Gooley's just large. Yeah. He's large. He's large and he's better than, than, than we all expected. I think he's playing a lot yeah. better than, yeah. 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 He's uh, yeah. just, he's just, he's just, he's not, he's not Matthias Norlander or right. Alexander Romanov. Right. But Matthias Norlander is one guy right? He's, yeah. he's not going to come in and transform that defense. He's not like, I love him and I'm very excited about him. He's not a Victor Hedman. Like he's not going to come in and change your franchise or, and be part of that. Like, no, you know, and I think that's yeah. why hitting, hitting the little mini tank here is good because Montreal isn't really locked into any disgusting contracts like San Jose is like Toffoli only signed a four year Anderson's what seven by seven, basically. I think so for all intents and purposes. And he's still only in his like mid to late twenties. Um, he's Suzuki's 26, on- I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He's and not Su- old. No. And Suzuki's only 21. Like the oldest guys like Gallagher and you need a veteran guy around. So Montreal's not really hamstrung by old guys being stuck, like helps that Shea Weber died and had to retire. <laughs> so they're not really stuck other than, other than Carey price. Whereas if they hit the little tank and they get a, well, Shane Wright's the ultimate prize. Brad Lambert's a guy I didn't even met, or Matt Savoy. I didn't even mention them earlier. But if they get a Brad Lambert or a Uri Slavkovsky or even a Shane Wright, and they can just plug him into the lineup next year, there's your top six guy and off to the races and, you, and you're good to go. So I think it would be prudent, especially in Montreal's division. I think it might be prudent to yeah, maybe pump the brakes and, and a little see bit. what you got and retool, maybe play some young guys that you want to see and like give Romanov all the run this year and see what you got. But 
Yeah, San Jose doesn't want to tank either. They uh, Their con- TV contract is famously bad, and they have a mandate not to tank because they don't want to lose fans. The market is not Montreal. Um, right. So they are trying to do this reset on the fly. And if they lock into a top six guy like William Eklund, that just helps move it along, and which Montreal could be doing. They could they could get somebody, a game changer. If yeah, exactly. Tank. And I think that, so there's one positive thing and there's one concern that I have. The positive thing is that you mentioned, you know, like an Arizona and a Buffalo, and that's what people have uh, fear about. But those teams also had ownership issues. Like in Montreal, right now, the owner right now loves the team. Like he legitimately yeah, Jeff Wilson wouldn't let that happen. He would just be like, go spend $10 million on somebody. Yes, exactly. So he would tolerate a tank he might even think it's a good idea he, he's usually hands off with management decisions but he would support that he'd tolerate that he'd support that for a couple of years but then he would make the effort to bring the fans back in that scenario right so you're not going to have those question mark issues and I think the thing that the thing with Ottawa too is that they're perennially bad but it's because they have all these good pieces that they keep losing for stupid reasons and it's because part of it is the ownership right so Montreal doesn't have that ownership issue it's just that you kind of have to sell a a mini rebuild to the fans like you you have to sell it in such a way that you're promising them a short turnaround time so I'm not super concerned about that aspect but the one concern that I do have is that we talk about it a lot on this podcast is you can't convince a coach and players to tank that's they're not yeah. wired that way they're wired to win so usually the way teams tank is they get rid of assets they trade away assets and they collect draft picks and they and they legitimately just don't put enough good players on the ice to win, right? They, which I, th- which I think they did by accident because Shea Weber died for our sins. Carey Price is gone for a first little little bit. They let Tatar go. They let... Uh, Dano. Dano go. So they kind of did it by like, not on Accident. purpose. <laughs> accidentally, accidentally on purpose, yeah. Yeah, so my concern is the trade deadline rolls around. Who do we lose? There, there are a lot of players on this team I don't want to part with. Yeah, I think it's Jonathan Drouin, right? Yeah, and that's the problem is because I feel like he's going to have a resurgence this season and his stock is going to go way up. It's and good, it's though. That's good. that's good for the asset reclamation. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he would, he would bring good value. Like, absolutely. But I also think that, you know, he's still young enough that in a couple of years when you're a good team again, he would be such a great piece on it. Like he, his yeah. body's still young enough. So that's it's either, it's either like, him or Toffoli at this point. Right. Yeah. Toffoli would be great value for my fans. Love him here. And I, think, I do I as well, but yeah. And I think he's helpful if Montreal's going to be decent or try to be good again, like next year, soon, he's still helpful um, as a guy who can score, but I mean, both Toffoli and Druin can probably get you an actual real live NHL player and not checks notes. Dennis. <laughs> Didn't Chris Wyburn oh, play no. in the KHL last year? He did. He's actually like surprised Heck. people. He's playing much better than people expected, but the uh, the bar was on the floor. It was it was in the basement. The yeah. bar, yeah. Uh, and so uh, this is a really interesting question that we are going to be following. I just want to thank Kyle so much for joining me today in Scott's absence. And uh, we are we are good friends, but I do hate you for the f- foreseeable we, we, future. We are real life friends, but yeah, but uh... yeah. <laughs> it's it's fun to it's fun to have a rivalry of this, especially because the the content boys brand has grown sentient, and so yes. whenever we tweet about it, you'll notice that there's just like random people also tweeting about it. Oh uh, my god! Or commenting yes. or commenting so or replying times. to you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the brand yeah. the brand has gone grown too strong for us. <laughs> <It's out laughs> and of if control. you want 
<laughs> and if you want to get to know the brand, they really are a fun Twitter account. It's Locked On Sharks, and you can follow their podcast or subscribe wherever you get this podcast. For us, you'll find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. And if you liked this podcast, uh, please check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey, where Scott Cullen will tell you what lineup decisions to make, and he's one of the best in the business. You won't regret it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.